This is the best podcast that well, you will ever listen to in your life. That's a Zeke and Cat Spidey Pals guarantee. <laughs> I want you to know how ready I am for this. I have this little notebook where I have all my notes about different stories and I've got cute stickers on it. Last night, apparently I was so pumped to record that like I had a Spider-Man dream. <laughs> A post-Endgame MCU Spider-Man movie, but Iron Man was still alive and it was like Peter Parker's senior year or something and they had just successfully completed this big mission or something like that. And so Tony Stark was like, look, we need to stop messing around here. You've got a bright future, kid. And I want to make sure that that happens. No more of this like fake internship, whatever. We took a pretend picture. Instead, I'm going to give you a real scholarship to MIT or a real job or something. But you also deserve some recognition for this. So I'm going to get some documentation together. And then I want you to take that to your school and show it to your teachers. You should get a plaque or something. And so Peter Parker's all like jazz. He's like, oh, it's cool. Super sweet. Yeah. And then the paper that he gives him is like grody piece of notebook paper that's just like <laughs> scribbled on. And there's Spider-Man stickers stuck all over it. And like his signature is, you know, when like you're carrying five boxes and you have to sign for a package. And it's you're like, just like, yeah, ah. whatever. I'll just scribble on this. Yeah. Ah. And he's like, OK, so show that to your teachers. And Peter's just like. Um, okay. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, is he going to get transcripts faxed over from Stark Industries? And then yeah, the teacher's exactly. going to be like, sure, Peter. 15 spider credits. And and so then he goes to the school, hands the paper to the teacher, and the teacher's like looking at it like, what is this mess? And then she's like, yeah, he called us. <laughs> I can't send back to him. And, and I, I was just telling my friend that, and they were like, that really seems like... 100% like a Tony Stark move. Like, yeah. that's something he would do. No, that's Which, good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, um, yeah, my dreams are canon compliant. Or of course, adjacent. yeah. Yeah. Which, Let's, which I, we can only hope that they are also prophetic. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man subtitle, whatever the next Tom Holland one is, that's what needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe so. I don't know. 20, <laughs> 2021 or something. Yeah. I'm Zeke. And I'm Kat. We're here to ask the penultimate question, was Spider-Man there? So for a little background, I don't really know anything about Spider-Man. I don't know anything about a lot of the Marvel comics. I've kind of always kept to DC. I really liked Thor as a kid. Like Thor was probably my favorite comic. And then I got really into Hawkeye and I really like him. But like Spider-Man, not super in my wheelhouse. So that's kind of where my experience is with it. But Kat is, do you want to, do you want to tell them where you were, where you're at with Spider-Man? I like Spider-Man enough for the both of us. <laughs> and, and 20 more people. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I first got introduced to Spider-Man as I was like a kid growing up watching like the 90s cartoon. And that was like my Spider-Man growing up. In more recent years, I've become more of a comic buyer because when I was growing up, I couldn't afford comics. So I become more of a comic buyer, more keeping up to date with current releases. I'm the person that a lot of my friends ask questions. And even if I, I don't know the answers, which a lot of the times I don't, I know where to look and I know, I know who the major players are and what seems likely, which is kind of why Zeke pitched this idea to me. We are here to ask the question, was Spider-Man there? And what that means is I want to know 
where Spider-Man has been. And Kat wants to know if I know where Spider-Man has been. So this show is in two segments. Our first segment, I'm going to pitch Kat a story idea. I have not researched this at all. I don't know if this has already been a comic or not, but I'm going to pitch an idea as ridiculous as I can conceptualize on a theme uh, each episode. And Kat has had ample time, I promise, to research this and find out if Spider-Man was there, if the concept that I have pitched has already been a comic or movie or show or what have you. We have been racking our brains because like any project, the first the first installment is always the toughest. But I think I want to start off with a Spider-Man that we all know and we all love very dearly. So the theme this week is was Spider-Man there in a new Sam Raimi movie? <laughs> okay. So, Kat. Yes. I have thrown together, <laughs> and that's a very generous term, an elaborate elevator pitch for the new 2020 Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Spider-Man 4, just to give some scope in case you are like me, Sam Raimi Spider-Man is the infamous... I guess the infamous series of Spider-Man movies starring Tobey Maguire and also James Franco. I would say they're well loved, but but they the third are. one, the third one is the infamous one. Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of where it is. So in those movies, Tobey Maguire uh, plays Spider-Man. These were, I think, pro- I would argue, probably the first like popular Spider-Man movies. Yeah, for sure. And kind of introduced everybody to Spider-Man as like a franchise, but. <sighs> I also feel like this movie was responsible for the death of Spider-Man in a lot of ways, because when the third one came out, everybody was like over it. Because I remember you couldn't do, you couldn't swing a cat without hitting Spider-Man merch when those movies were out when I was a kid. And then when the third one came out, everybody was like, done, we're checked out, no more Spider-Man. And then <laughs> and then nobody thought about it till like they Andrew yeah, Garfield. Yeah, I think it, so. The first one came out in two thousand two. I want to say so. I think the thing about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, and this is not groundbreaking information, is that. When they came out, they were kind of part of the wave of those first cool superhero movies. We've had a lot of campy Batman movies, you know, some other campy superhero movies, but Blade and X-Men and then those first Spider-Man movies were really opening the door for like high production value, really cool mainstream superhero movies. And the first two were really well received. And so expectations were sky high for the third one. And people were like, oh, my God, Venom's going to be in it. This is going to be amazing. The first two were so good. And I, I remember feeling disappointment in the third movie and like <laughs> sitting there and being like, is this is this really it? Is is the Bruce Campbell cameo the best part of this movie? Oh. Is this is that really what's happening right now? And like a just genuine, tangible disappointment in the theater. So I think it was just there was such a high place to fall from at the time. And I've gone back and watched these movies in relatively recently. And they're very cheesy compared to our, you know, the MCU or the DC movies that we have today. But I think that's because as a director, you know, I mean, they're Raimi movies. And I think that his priority was really capturing that kind of old school comic book zaniness. There are shots in those movies that I feel like are ripped off of a comic book page. And I appreciate that for what it is. So they're not for everybody, but I think there's a lot to love about those movies. I think that if you haven't seen all of the Spider-Man movies, or if you haven't come back and watched them within the last year, please do so. Like pause, like pause the podcast right now and go <laughs> binge all three of them in a row. <laughs> 
quit your job. <laughs> Listen, the, the, the quarantine is here. The time is right. <laughs> so uh, I do just want to also say that I did research Sam Raimi as a, as a human man to try to get inside his mind, like get in the dome, like what's going on there. Good luck. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> well, I found out that Sam Raimi is better known for his his work in television than in movies he created some like really beloved tv series or he's worked on them he was the producer for hercules the legendary journeys which which spawned xena warrior princess which i feel like went on to be bigger than the hercules tv show good uh right (laughs) um he was also the executive producer of the the three spartacus series from stars those were pretty big Mm -hmm. And then he directed the pilot for Ash versus the Evil Dead, which was like the, obviously the TV production of the Evil Dead. And then I also found out, this has nothing to do with Spider-Man, in January of 2018, Sam Raimi announced that he was set to direct the first movie for the King Killer Chronicles, um, which is like the Name of the Wind books, which if you're like a high fantasy person, if you like D&D or like Game of Thrones, please pick that book up and read it. It's so good. But him and Lin-Manuel Miranda are the producers of this movie, which I cannot imagine what a movie produced by Sam Raimi and Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to look like, especially because it's like a high fantasy epic and there's like canonically gay characters in it, but I'm so ready. I'm so here for it. I I will say that amongst hardcore Spider-Man fans like there is a lot of respect for the Sam Raimi movies and there is a a small but vocal passionate group of fans that really really want another Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie well I'm here to deliver there was a recent Spider-Man comic announcement where they were doing a countdown but people didn't know it was a countdown and it was for the ongoing J.J. Abrams and son miniseries. JJJ Abrams. JJJ Abrams, yeah. <laughs> um, but they just, like, they were like, oh, Spider-Man announcement. And there was a big number four, like, in webbing. And people lost their minds because a lot of people were like, oh, my God, are we going to get the story that Raimi wanted as Spider-Man 4, but, like, in a comic book? And then, you know, people were like, maybe it's a Fantastic Four thing or whatever. And then it turned out to be a countdown. And people were like, who starts a countdown from four? What? Oh, wait, four was the first number? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so yeah. that's so funny. So It was such a troll <laughs> act. But yeah, there's people out there that want more of that kind of storytelling. So, okay. Well, what I'm, do you got for them, Zeke? I'm here. All right. So this one, it's just called Spider-Man 4 because Sam Raimi did not subtitle any of these films. They were just Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. So this is Spider-Man 4. Spider-Man 4, set in the 2020s. Now, I do want to say that I will... I'm cutting the the whole quarantine thing out. I will not be making any coronavirus jokes. I don't want to hear about it. It's not funny. So we're not going to do that. So it's regular 2020. The 2020 we all planned in the middle of 2019, where we said 2020 was going to be our year. Tobey Maguire is back. He's here. He's playing Peter Parker. He's... We all applaud in the movie theater when he shows up on screen. We've gotten the rights from Marvel to have the cinematic symphony. And everyone cries because that music makes me emotional. And I don't know Jack about Spider-Man. Peter Parker is an older millennial living in 2020. He went through 2016 forward, just like the rest of us. So he's having a rough time. But I do want to say that the Daily Bugle is now like a primarily online news source. But they're kind of regarded like BuzzFeed style. And this is largely thanks 
to J. Jonah Jameson being smart enough to bring on younger staff to keep his uh, information flow relevant. So I do want to say that literally the idea that birthed this was J. Jonah Jameson grabbing some intern and like yanking them across his desk going, bring me TikToks of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> because he okay. knows he's like some kid out there is, is Spider-Man and he's making TikToks. But of course, it's it's Peter. And he's he's kind of over it. But like, you know, he is still he finds joy in being Spider-Man. Mary Jane is obviously Peter's long-suffering partner. I will say that I do not remember if they got married. <laughs> uh, but in this movie, for the for the sake of argument, they are married. The movie uh, opens with Aunt May's funeral. I mean, she's just old. She's, I mean, that's what happens. So Peter is sad, right? But mm-hmm. Mary Jane tells him, you're retaining relevance. Spider-Man is still the hero that we need. You have a great job at the Daily Bugle. Things are going well. Like, Aunt May can rest in peace. This is a time of peace in our lives. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I think that's I think that's good. And so they all leave the cemetery. Pan shot down to this great oak that's in the cemetery. We zoom in at the bottom of it. And there's one little tiny goobly piece of symbiote left that has somehow managed to survive right right so this symbiote is like lurking now it's barely alive it's really trying to find someone and he finds a young man just in dramatic mourning at the grave of his mother and i i want to say uh this young man has some bullshit 1950s american name (laughs) like his name is like scout richardson (laughs) Like, like, and he's played by Finn Wolfhard, the the kid from Stranger Things, not the kid with no front teeth, the 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 kid that kisses Eleven. Yeah, and he is uh, a podcaster, so he's like a young, maybe he's like eighteen or nineteen, and his podcast is all about like social justice, like righting the wrongs of the world, and he's like a really good-hearted young man, and so the symbiote attaches itself to Little Scout. And so Venom becomes this very, like, twisted monster. And I feel like Sam Raimi would just really have some great insight into this this idea of, like, political jargon. And so the symbiote takes over Scout. And Scout, much like Eddie Brock, bonds with the symbiote. And it becomes the worst version of Venom possible, which is a Venom that has entirely too many opinions and access to a social media account. (laughs) <laughs> so he goes around using Venom to right social justice wrongs, but his idea of social justice quickly becomes warped. And so he becomes an enemy of Spider-Man's because Spider-Man works with the police more or less. And obviously a young upstanding white man cannot have that. So Venom begins to then like actively murder like members of the police force. And and thus Spider-Man has to go on the trail and find out who's killing cops. And it's it's social justice Venom. So Spider-Man knows that Venom is weak to sound, but because Scout is a podcaster, he has a higher tolerance to the sound frequency. So Spider-Man like starts banging some pipes together and Venom's like, Aah! but then he survives and he's like, hur, 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 and Spider-Man's like, Aah! those are my, um, those are my comic book noises. And so Spider-Man goes, Foop! and he leaves and he's like, oh, I, gotta, I gotta do something. And so Mary Jane's like, you just have to make bigger, louder noise. And Spider-Man says, hmm, well... How am I going to make a big, loud noise? I mean, it's not like I can 
I can just yell or like I can, uh, uh, you know, bang on pipes everywhere in New York City. And Mary Jane, uh, while she's trying to explain, the neighbors upstairs in the apartment are blaring their music super loud. And she takes the broom and she bangs on the ceiling. And Peter says, oh, my God, that's it. I've got it. Cut to a um, an overlay montage. Scenes coming in left, right, bottom corners. Just whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. They're overlays, though. And it looks so cheap. Of Peter Parker emailing, emailing, emailing. And nobody's getting these emails because who uses email anymore? Trying to get a hold of, of, a, of a musician. And he gets an answer from one. But it turns out to be the musician that he needs the most. A man who has unparalleled fame on social media. A man who feels no shame somehow. Just a man who is an incredible noisemaker. And as a foil to Venom has nothing to say. And Spider-Man teams up with Riff Raff. So Riff Raff, the rapper, shows up with Spider-Man. And they put together an album that's just fire. It's just (laughs) incredible. Because their goal, obviously, is to blow up and then act like they don't know nobody. (laughs) So they play this, this absolutely dope album. It's so crunchy. They play this absolutely fire album from the speakers at the top of Oscorp as the, the, the music swells, not the rap music, the orchestral music of the, of the film that's about to get absolutely demolished. Peter is like about to plug in the amplifier. And because he's using the Oscorp speakers to defeat Venom once again, he's like, this one's for Harry. And he plugs the amplifier in and the music starts to blare. And it's like a rap about Spider-Man <laughs> by Riff Raff. And Riff Raff is up there and he's doing the Orange Julius, which is that dance where you like wiggle your knees and move your arms around everywhere that yeah, all the okay. kids know how to do. And I don't know what's going on with that. And so Venom's like, no! And then obviously whatever's left of the symbiote fades away. And then Scout Richardson is left there and he's laying on the, on the pavement bereft. And Spider-Man comes up and he's like, I think you should stick to radio. And then the music goes, dun, 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 and then we roll the credits. <laughs> wow. And that's why I love Pitch for Spider-Man 4, directed by Sam Raimi. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. I forgot. I forgot. Oh. Hang on. Um, there is a part where Scout's girlfriend comes over and she's like, Scout, are you okay? He turns around and he looks at her and maybe his face is like half venom or whatever. And she screams and there's like a, there's an extended shot of her screaming. I mean, obviously it can't be a Sam Raimi movie if there's not an right, extended right. shot it's of a woman zoom screaming. Into her face. Yeah. And, and she's going to have her hands like clawed up her cheeks. Like, ah, like it's like the action movie version of clutching your pearls. Yeah. So that happens. And then, uh, dun, 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 dun. okay. So what I want to know is <laughs> not, uh, obviously this very specific storyline, but has Spider-Man ever teamed up with a musician uh, or celebrity in real life to defeat a villain? This sent me down a couple of different paths. I had like a short list of like, oh, okay, I think I'm going to look up these storylines for these characters. My first inclination was to look up, uh, whether or not Spider-Man had ever teamed up with Dazzler from the X-Men. And I kind of have a soft spot for Dazzler because as a kid, I didn't get her because she's introduced around the same time as Kitty Pride, And there's all this exciting stuff happening with Kitty Pride. It's very dramatic and all the X-Men are doing stuff. And, and Dazzler's just there like, yeah, um, I didn't sign up for this. I'm, I'm a musician and that's all I care about. Leave me alone. And at the time I was like, um, you have a gift, you should use it. But now I'm just kind of like, eh. 
Lady's just trying to live her own life. Like, so you may explain this later, but I do. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I've literally never heard of Dazzler up to this. You've never heard of Dazzler. This okay. point. So Here's what is Dazzler's quick, superpower? Here's your quick Dazzler, the quick Dazzler rundown. She is a musician. Her backstory is that her dad wanted her to be a lawyer. And she's like, no, dad, I want to be a singer. And then the X-Men met her and they were like, do you want to be a superhero? And she's like, what part of I want to be a singer did you not understand? Okay. And her, her power is that she can turn sound waves into light. And so she's like, clearly the best use of this power is to make laser light shows. And she she's a disco singer. So obviously she was introduced in the 1981. A, which wait, makes hang on. A <laughs> disco singer? Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like the, like the Bee Gees? Yeah, that was her dream, apparently. Mm-hmm. But obviously... Anyways, so she's still working on that dream. Uh, So I... To this day. To this day, exactly. So I did find two team-ups with Dazzler, but they weren't quite the same. There was one team-up in 81 in Marvel Team-Ups 109 called Critical Mass. And there, it's kind of cool because, like, Spider-Man's fighting the villain and he gets to the shit kicked out of him and... Uh, Dazzler, like, helps him out, literally, like, slings him over her shoulder, brings him to her apartment, and, like, makes him a cup of tea until he can go out and fight again. So that, you know, then she helps fight later on. Is this just, like, in the middle of a fight? Like, Doc Ock is just going to town, and she's, like, uh... It's some bad guy of the day called Thermo, who, like, literally never shows up again, Okay, and then Dazzler shows up, and she's, like... Yeah, Dazzler and somebody you cool cat? I don't know. I don't know any disco lingo. Well, I think she also knows he's Peter Parker for some reason. Okay. Um, Yeah, so, like... Anyways, it's fine. And then in Amazing Spider-Man 203, there's an issue called Bewitched, Bothered, and Bedazzled. <gasps> and the, yeah. And this That's one is every more day like, of my life. <laughs> in this one, uh, Dazzler's more like a damsel in distress. It was it was a really strange switch. Because in this one, she's being pursued and intermittently possessed by this thing called the Light Master who is this, like, being of pure energy, light. It's really campy. And he's basically like, oh, you know, I'm this awesome, powerful being, but I need light in order to, to fuel myself. But look, I found this mutant who can create light energy. So he, like, kidnaps her and is like, I'm going to use you as a human battery, which is a plot famously stolen and pirated by the Wachowskis when they made The Matrix. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, so that's where that comes from. Okay. Yeah. And then I started looking for Venom storylines and I found Venom on trial, which is from the good old 90s. <gasps> does he have an attorney? He does. What the sh- <laughs> For real? <laughs> yeah. Um, this was a three issue miniseries where basically like the powers that be decide to bring Venom and Eddie Brock to justice. And so they pick him up and they handcuff him and they like take him in and... Matt Murdock ends up being his lawyer. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's this sounds like a great premise and it was not good because Ugh. it was the 90s. It Wait, was like such a yeah. Were, it was such a wasted premise. Were Eddie Brock and Venom tried separately? No. See, that's unfair. That's uh, that's the injustice system. I think uh, Matt Murdock tries to get get Eddie Brock to plea insanity. But he's like, no, I'm not insane. This is just what I am now. I'm gonna, no, this- I'm going to plead 
goopy alien. I'm I'm pleading I'm Venom. Yeah. yeah. But but in that comic, when the police pick him up, they do use giant speakers to like create a sound prison. Okay. And then they take him to like a baseball field where they use the baseball sound system. It's it's really like it was it made me feel bad because it's just they're blaring death metal at him to like keep him subdued. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like like the baseball field only has one audio file and it's just the MIDI of taking me out to the ball game and they're just playing it on loop to keep Venom in here. It's like and he's like they keep like throwing Cracker Jacks out of the middle to keep him sane and they're like he's like let me out and they're like when the Cubs win the World Series. The closest thing I could actually find was not Spider-Man teaming up with a musician or a rock star but a case where Spider-Man is the rock star. <gasps> and that's from one of the kind of small included comics from the original Spider-Verse event when uh, they do a couple page story for the anarchic Spider-Man, which we know is Spider-Punk. Oh, and, oh, oh, from the video game. Yeah. So so that's the Spider-Punk costume. But in the comics, that version of Spider-Man is Toby Brown. Okay. So in... The anarchic Spider-Man, basically what happens is, this is a Venom story, it's very short, but Venom is less symbiote and it's actually like kind of like a techno-organic thing that President Osborn has created to outfit his military. He calls it the, it's the variable engagement neuron-sensitive organic mesh that is basically this like, it works just like the Venom symbiote. So they show up. Wait, I want to st- I want to stop you for a second. I'm sorry, you said President Osborn? Yes, President Osborn. So is it is it Harry or it's is Norman. it It's Norman. It's <gasps> Norman. Norman Osborn is president. He has a super Venom symbiote army. He himself uses the mesh so like he becomes a Venom symbiote. And in this very short clash, it's him and his army versus Spider-Punk and Punk Captain America and their ragtag crew of anarchists and Spider Punk is Captain like, uh, America is such an amusing concept to me. It's great. Because it's, yeah, it's just it's so opposite to who I think Captain America. Is. Wouldn't anarchist Captain America just be the guy with the metal arm, Bucky Barnes? Like it seems like there's Captain America and he's patriotic, and then there's this guy who literally runs around with a red star on his arm. It, it depends. Ca- Captain America isn't isn't about nationalism. So when you say patriotic. There have been times when Captain America has been like, um, this isn't the America I know. Oh. I need to go think about some stuff. Okay, that's dope. Uh, yeah, where his ideology has clashed with like what the country is doing. And okay. that's kind of become, yeah. So there, there's some storylines like that. But anyways, um, yeah, so in, in this comic, you've got Spider-Punk up on top of a bus. He's got giant car-sized speakers. And he just, he has electric guitar and just starts like wailing on it, which blasts the venom mesh off of the soldiers and the president enough that the other heroes can attack them Incredible. and actually get some headway. So that story, I think, is the one that comes closest to what you're talking about. But I did not find any specific teaming up with musicians. I, I looked. I was like, there's got to be a comic where Spider-Man, a promotional comic where Spider-Man and Kiss teamed up and had an adventure. Right. You know, the the X-Men went to the State Fair of Texas and met Big Tex, so... Sp- Spider-Man and Big Tex saved Santa Claus. Yeah, but that That's was the closest... <laughs> that was the closest I can find. That doesn't mean it's not out there, but there is a lot of Spider-Man out there. <laughs> So that's the closest that I could find. That's, so uh, so we can say Spider-Man was not there. But Spider-Man he might be. was not there. <laughs> he might be out there somewhere. Also, if Riff Raff, if you're listening, 
<laughs> you could blow up and then act like you don't know nobody. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. But and also, this is an open. This is my love letter to Tobey Maguire. You can come back and do this, man. That's where I'm at. We would love to have you. We would love to have you on the podcast. <laughs> we would love to have you on the show. <laughs> Please tell us your opinion about this wild ass story we've thrown together. Also, speaking of uh, reaching out to us, Kat, uh, we have a Twitter, don't we? We do. We have a Twitter and we have an email account. They're both was Spidey there on Twitter and at Gmail. Mm -hmm. So if you have an idea for a storyline we should look up, or if you have an idea for a story that Zeke should pitch us, if you want to tell me that I'm wrong and that that Spider-Man and Queen totally took the world by storm. Uh, we would love to hear it from you. Absolutely. We want to, the, the wronger we are, the, the more wrong we are, the the better we are. So it's uh, at West Spidey there on Twitter and West Spidey there at gmail.com. If you want to write us an email, but um, that's. But who uses email anymore? Yeah. That Peter, we might get an email from the man himself. <laughs> Peter Parker. Slamming out an email. Help Zeke and Kat. Gotta defeat the symbiote. Need you guys to podcast as loud as you can. <laughs> Kat, do you want to explain the second segment of the show? So the second segment of the show is what I like to call two truths and a fic. And in a little bit of reversal, I'm going to give Zeke two story plot lines that happened canonically in some actual official Spider-Man storyline, whether it was a comic or cartoon series, movies, whatever. And one that is either something I've made up or more likely that I've taken from the internet, probably in the form of fan fiction. And we're going to see if Zeke can tell us which one is the odd man out. <laughs> All right, Zeke. So I have three stories for you mm -hmm. in our next segment, Two Truths and a Fic. And because you started us off by talking about the Sam Raimi trilogy. I thought I would use that as a jumping off point and talk about what is probably my favorite part of those movies. And I think a lot of people's favorite part of those movies, which is JK Simmons portrayal of J Jonah Jameson. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Wait, hang on. I do need to ask which gif of J Jonah Jameson. Do you prefer, do you prefer the one where he's like yelling and it like it's like spiral in shot of the Daily Bugle, or do you prefer the one where he's like looking over his shoulder and it's a serious face, and then he starts laughing? That one, yeah, I, I love that one. So I picked three storylines that feature or highlight Jameson and his relationship with Spider-Man, and I would like for you to tell me which two of these are things that actually happened in the comics somewhere, and which one of them is made up by a very enthusiastic fan. Okay, now is this? Their relationship or their relationship? Their relationship. Okay. <laughs> okay, go on. Give me the let, hit me hit me with your best shot. Fire away, Pat Benatar. I will hit if you, you wanna. with three of my best shots. All right. So the first one is Spider-Man is interviewed by JJJ for a podcast. Things start out well enough, but soon the pleasantries dissolve into arguments as old issues resurface. Things almost come to blows when a villain attacks. It could have ruined everything, but actually it makes for some quality listening. Okay. All right. Give me the second one. Number two. In a Will Ferrellian turn of events, <laughs> Peter Parker and J. Jonah Jameson become essentially stepbrothers when Aunt May and J. Jonah Sr. get married. There's so much room for activities. <laughs> okay, wait, hang on. Did you say J. Jonah Sr.? Yeah. Okay. So J. Jonah Jameson 
is, is actually J. Joe to Jameson Jr. <laughs> okay, so he's J4. Yeah. So then his son is J5. That's wild. That's like a K-pop band. <laughs> okay, give me the third one. Uh, the third one is Jameson's recent focus on a terrorist group is second only to his ongoing obsession with Spider-Man. Obviously. <laughs> and he's convinced the two are working together. What happens when the journalist and wall crawler are both captured and have to work together to expose the truth and escape with their lives? Okay. I think this, I think the third one's a comic for sure, because comic writers love to use like current events and like big war stuff for comics. So I definitely think this one, but I do love the idea of J. Jonah Jameson on his like Daily Bugle feed, BuzzFeed podcast being like, today I've really got it, folks. Spider-Man founded ISIS. And, <laughs> and just like the interns watching the subs drop <laughs> in real time. And then he leaves the booth and he's like, I think that was our best show yet. Where are those TikToks of Spider-Man? So I think the third one's definitely a comic. I'm really honestly having a tough time with the first two. Because the idea of J. Jonah Jameson sitting down long enough for an interview with Spider-Man is so funny to me. And the immediate image I got was of, like, Larry King. Like, a Larry King interview. I, I bet he would be flattered to hear that. Oh, Jameson, not oh, Larry Jameson, King. Not, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think Larry King would care. But, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think J. J. Jameson would be like, wow, thank you. I do want to say that I've taken this episode as my major opportunity to plug my J. Jonah Jameson impression, which is the only impression I can do very well. So, oh, man. I think... I think the Step Brothers one, I think that one's the fanfic because I don't know if any comic writer is ballsy enough to do something that funny. And I think the first one, the podcast interview, is the comic. So I so I think the fanfic is the Step Brothers one. That's my final answer. That's your final answer. Yep. You will be happy to know that you're wrong. Oh, <gasps> what? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Is there like a don 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 we can put in? Because like I'm I'm literally floored. I literally like okay, cat. This is cards on the table. Like you can cut this if you want. But I was like, I'm gonna say that the podcast one is the fanfic because it's too obvious for the stepbrothers one to be a fanfic. But then I was in my gut. I was like, I can't be inauthentic with Cat like that. I have to say that the stepbrothers one is the fanfic. I am floor. I'm I'm speechless. <laughs> this was something that threw me. So this was something that was relatively recent when I started getting back into buying comics. Mm -hmm. So it took me for a surprise, too, uh, as I started buying books. And I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> but yeah, uh, Aunt May's got it going on. And uh, she she got remarried. And it started a new chapter in the way that Spider-Man and Jameson relate to one another. <laughs> uh, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. And there is an issue where, like, Spider-Man is like, hey, Jameson, I want to, like, air things out between us. Let's do an interview. I'm going to come to your place and we're going to have it hash it out and we're going to, like, talk man to man. And Jameson's like, OK. And then it turns out Jameson has used the occasion to, like, bring in a bunch of reporters. And so they don't get to really have the conversation they're supposed to have. But Spider-Man does reveal that he's Peter Parker at that time. And that obviously changes the dynamic. Okay, so... But these are separate, right? They're not the same story. No, no, no. I'm just saying that, like, because they became essentially family, you know, and the, and then they do get involved. His death, when Jameson Sr. gets sick, then it becomes, like, a whole family thing. They have family 
issues going on outside of Spider-Man things. The Spider-Man is Peter Parker in both of these stories, in right? All of, in all of these stories? In all, both of the, what, what do you mean by both of these stories? Sorry, I mean the, the two that you've described to me that are comics. It's Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. This is Peter Parker as Spider-Man in all okay, of these. Okay, okay. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because the podcast one is also a comic. Okay. That, yeah, that happened uh, actually very recently. It's in the current run. And because of all of the events that have happened and because Jameson has a different perspective on what Spider-Man does and who he is, he's gained a huge amount of respect for Spider-Man. And in fact, in some recent issues, he's kind of become at, at times he's functioned as kind of a guy in the chair for Spider-Man. Okay. And and he's like been behind the scenes as like Spider-Man is out doing his thing and like fighting bigger villains. And like Jameson has actually tried to help him. And so the recent issue issue was, uh, I think it's like, my podcast with Jade Jonah or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically similar to what you were talking about in your movie pitch, Jameson now works for or runs basically an online news conglomerate. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all digital, you know, it's, he's embraced new media. And right. actually there's a part where one of the people that work for him is like, no, he's actually taken to it really quickly. Like, we expected him to be a real stick in the mud, but he's, you know, moved with the times really well. And one of the things that he is very adamant about is that he wants everybody to know that Spider-Man is a hero. So that is the point of the podcast. But obviously, like when the two of them sit down, it starts out really nice, but then they start throwing barbs back and forth and, and they start bringing up old arguments and stuff like that. But yeah, that is that is a real issue. And actually, the third one is the fanfic. That's um, incredible. So tell us right. tell us more about the fanfic. So that fanfic is called The Inside Scoop. It's by an author called X Gone Give It. It is a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. Knock, knock, open up the door. It's me. <laughs> and I have a really good idea for a Spider-Man fanfiction. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is the work in progress. It's only three or four, I think four chapters through. So hey, maybe someone, people can go check it out maybe give that author some kudos and let them know, Hey, we heard about your fanfic on a pod podcast and uh, maybe give them some encouragement to finish it up. Uh, yeah. But I was reading it and I was like, yeah, this one really feels like a story I could imagine reading in the comics. And I really appreciate that, you know, it's genfic that, it, that was just focusing on these interpersonal relationships, these work conflicts between these characters and it, it felt real. So I thought it was a good pick for this. Yeah, I would never uh, in a million years have guessed that that one was the fanfic. Uh, the first two, I was like, it's one of these for sure. But like, I, I f- would never have guessed. And I guess that goes to show like, especially now that we're like going through this weird period of like isolation. I think it's important to really be thankful for fan content creators. Not to say that that one tier is better than the other, but like particularly fanfic writers who get so little credit for writing novel length pieces for free then then that media is free to consume so i think it's really cool that we can like take a step back and like look at the quality of these fan fictions and these stories and really see like what's going on so what's the author's handle it's x gone give it with underscores in between each word i think it's the rapper himself uh, probably yeah so if you want to be in a movie with sam where sam Raimi's directing it and they need to defeat venom it could be you. I mean, we could switch out Riff Raff really easy. 
because I definitely... Wait, wait, so if X Gone Give It is writing fan fiction, then does that mean that the plot of your movie has already happened in real life? Hmm. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think in real life, a young podcaster was possessed by a symbiote, and a man with spider powers defeated him with the help of X Gone Give It To You, the rapper's name I do not know, by sheer power of knock knock, open up the door, it's me, and also Spider-Man. <laughs> This is going to be a weird podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I've been thinking about this. Kat, I know that you have a lot of comic book knowledge and trivia. And I know that I did not ask you to come prepared for this. But I do. I am just curious. Just based on what we've talked about in today's episode and through the the research that you've done. Can you give us a cool piece of Spider-Man trivia this week? Like something wild that's happened or like some history in Spider-Man or something like that? Uh, yes. Here's here's something that I learned this week. So I have a soft spot in my heart for the Toei Japanese Spider-Man from the 70s. Spider-Man. 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 That's it. Yeah. And I follow a lot of comic creators on Twitter. And I was looking at a thread recently about the original Spider-Verse comic event and I want to say this was Dan Slott was talking about it. <laughs> and and he was talking about all the different Spider-Men characters that they were using in there. And then was, said, um, we got to use the Toei Spider-Man. So we threw him in here in a couple of scenes. And he says, well, when I say got permission, what I really mean is we didn't have any permission at all. <gasps> and in fact, Toei kind of got upset and asked us very politely but firmly not to do that again. But then the fan response in Japan was bananas. Uh-huh. And people loved it so much that Toei was like, mm, okay, actually, it's fine. You can do it some more. And please also put him in the next one. You can have a little Supida Man as, as a treat. <laughs> can have little a Spider Man as a treat. <laughs> and so um, Supida Man was there. <laughs> He was there. Hell yeah. (laughs) So uh, that's our show. I'm Zeke. I'm Kat. Like I said, you can add us at there on Twitter or uh, there at gmail.com. Add us if you're talking to us. Hashtag if you're talking about us. Questions, comments, concerns, or if you're a rapper and you want to team up with Spider-Man, I'm (laughs) definitely the guy to get in touch with. Uh, (laughs) We hope you enjoyed the pilot episode of Was Spider-Man There? We'll see you next time. Hey Spider Friends, it's Zeke. If you want to check out the comics discussed in today's episode, they are Marvel Team Up number 109, Amazing Spider-Man number 203, Venom on Trial from 1997, and today's featured fan fiction was The Inside Scoop by X Gone Give It.